Hello, and welcome to the Interesting World of Sports podcast on the Hopewell Valley Student Publications Network, where students come together to publish content to share with the world. The opinions expressed in this episode are ours. Please enjoy the show. Yo, I want to make a meal so I can change and act strange. Get a Andre 3000 wig with some bangs. I'll hang and bang your frame like the Predator do. Turn in your album, kid. Welcome to the Interesting World of Sports podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Yasher. And I'm Connor Bacha. And today we'll be discussing the early life, football career, and legacy of Broadway Joe Namath. First, let's talk about his early life. Joe Namath was born on May 31, 1943 in Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania, 30 minutes north of Pittsburgh, and grew up in a lower-end neighborhood to both of his parents who were of Hungarian descent. While growing up, Namath was close to both of his parents, who eventually divorced. And following his parents' divorce, he lived with his mother. He was the youngest of four sons with an older sister who was actually adopted. Namath excelled in all sports at Beaver Falls High School. He was a standout guard in basketball, an outfielder in baseball, and most importantly, a generational quarterback. In an age when dunks were uncommon in high school basketball, Namath regularly dunked in games, which would still be impressive by today's standards. He was also coached by Larry Bruno at Beaver Falls, Namath's football team won the WPIAL Class AA Championship with a 9-0 record in 1960. That same man, Coach Bruno, would later present Namath to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton. But let's talk about that later. When graduating from high school in 1961, he received offers from several MLB teams, including the Yankees, Indians, Reds, Pirates, and, and Phillies. We've seen this with many NFL quarterbacks before, with Kyler Murray recently being drafted by the A's, Russell Wilson being drafted by the Rockies, John Elway being drafted by the Yankees all the way back in 1981, and then in 1971, Joe Theismann was actually drafted by the Twins. There must be something about that quarterback-baseball connection that's special. Namath told reporters that he actually wanted to sign with the Pirates and play baseball like his idol, Roberto Clemente, but chose football because his mother wanted him to get a college education. And Namath had many Division I offers from schools including Penn State, Ohio State, Alabama, and Notre Dame, but actually decided to go to the University of Maryland. And after being heavily recruited by Maryland, he was rejected because his college board scores were just below the school's requirements, so he didn't have good enough grades to get into Maryland. Could you imagine that? You get offers from all of the best football schools in the country, and you decide to give a small school in Maryland a chance? If he would have stayed there, he would have made them an incredible football team. Anyway... Then, after more heavy recruiting by coach Paul Bear Bryant, Namath accepted a full scholarship to attend Alabama. Coach Bryant, who was widely regarded as the greatest football coach of all time, later said his decision to recruit Namath was the best coaching decision I've ever made. Alabama was a football powerhouse for decades on end, but Namath still left before graduating with hope to live out every kid's dream, playing in the NFL. However, Namath would return to earn a college degree at age 64, a 64-year-old graduate. Now let's talk about his football career at Alabama and the Jets. In college, he was a young hippie with sideburns and long hair and brought a huge amount of fans to come see the man they've heard so much about. At Bama, Namath led the Crimson Tide to a 29-4 record over three seasons and would win the 1964 National Championship. This would be more than enough to catch the eye of tons of NFL teams. And the St. Louis Cardinals, an NFL team at the time, selected Namath 12th overall in the NFL draft, while the New York Jets selected him with the first overall pick in the AFL draft. 
So he was selected in the AFL and NFL draft. Basically, at the time, the AFL and the NFL were two separate organizations, so they each had two separate groups of teams and two separate championships. However, that changed with the AFL-NFL merger, and the merger was between the two professional football leagues in the United States at the time, the National Football League and the American Football League. They would end up just becoming the NFL. Let's talk about that career. Namath would play for the AFL team, the New York Jets. In Namath's rookie season in 1965, the Jets were winless in their first six games, with him splitting time with second-year quarterback Mike Talaferro. When Namath started full-time, they won five of their last eight games of a 14-game season, and Namath was named the AFL Rookie of the Year. He became the first quarterback ever to pass for 4,000 yards in a season, when he threw for 4,007 during a 14-game season in 1967 a record that stood until 1979. And the reason that record was broken in 1979 is because in 1978, the NFL expanded their season from 14 games to 16 games. This gave quarterbacks an extra two games to beat Namath's record, which they did after one year. Although Namath was plagued with knee injuries throughout much of his career and underwent four pioneering knee operations, he was an AFL All-Star in 1965, 1967, 1968, and 1969. On some occasions, Namath had to have his knee drained at halftime so he could finish a game. Later on in life, when he left football, he underwent knee replacement surgery on both legs. And without any knee problems, who knows what else he could have done. Because he went from being a scrambling quarterback in college to a pocket passer in the NFL. In the 1968 AFL title game, the game before the Super Bowl, Namath threw three touchdown passes to lead New York to a 27-23 win over the defending AFL champions, Oakland Raiders leading the Jets to Super Bowl III versus the Colts. Now, let's talk about the game that Joe Namath is most well known for. The 1968 Colts were looked at as the greatest football team in history. They were the NFL champs, and the Jets were the AFL champs. The first two interleague championship games between the AFL and NFL champions, or Super Bowls, had resulted in blowout victories for the NFL's Green Bay Packers. Sports writers from NFL cities insisted the AFL would take several more years to be truly competitive with the NFL teams. Three days before the game, Namath was tired of addressing the fact that the Jets were 19.5 point underdogs, the largest in Super Bowl history. So the Jets were projected to lose by more than 19 points. And when asked about the game, he famously said, we're going to win the game, I guarantee it. Namath backed up his statement, which became legendary. The Colts' terrifying defense was unable to contain either the Jets' running or passing game. On top of that, the ineffective Colts' offense gave up four interceptions to the Jets. The Jets would be up 16-0 at one point. The Colts would then bring in legendary quarterback Johnny Unitas, who had been battling through an elbow injury throughout the season. He led the Colts on a fourth-quarter drive and narrowed the lead from 16-0 to 16-7. And you may be asking, why didn't they go for two if they were down 16? But at the time, going for two was not an option in the NFL. And the Colts would get the ball back with minutes to go when Unitas heaved a pass over the middle that was picked off, sealing the game for the New York Jets. This was the AFL's first ever Super Bowl victory. Namath was a Super Bowl MVP, completing eight passes to George Sauer alone for 133 yards. The win made him the first quarterback to start and win a national championship game in college, a major professional league, and the Super Bowl. 
The Jets' win gave the AFL instant respect. So had the Jets not won, I mean, who knows what could have happened? Because the AFL did end up winning Super Bowl four as well, but if they just kept losing Super Bowl after Super Bowl after Super Bowl, the NFL could have just said, you know what, we don't want you guys in our league. And then they could have just stayed with their own teams. And the NFL would be a lot smaller right now. And when asked by reporters after the game whether the Colts' defense was the toughest he had ever faced, Namath responded with, that would be the Buffalo Bills' defense. <laughs> <laughs> the New York Jets had completed the biggest upset in football history, maybe even sports history. However, that is debatable. His performance in the 1968 season earned him the Hickok Belt as the top professional athlete of the year. So basically the MVP throughout all major sports. Now it's time to know why they call him Broadway, Joe Namath. The NFL made a top 100 characters list, meaning someone who brings more than just the game to the game. They bring swag, they're known for their vibe, their personality, very few qualify for that list however. Topping that list at number one ever, the man who was more of a movie star than a quarterback at times, none other than Joe Willie Namath. And they put him at number one, so that's above guys like Deion Sanders, Brett Favre, Brian Dawkins, I mean all of these people who are known for their personality, they put Namath above him. And some would say that he set the bar for what a superstar was, wearing fur coats on the sidelines and appearing in countless movies and shows and couldn't get the ladies off of him. He I mean, he, wear, he wore fur coats and bootleg jeans on the sidelines. He even starred in a pantyhose commercial in which he said, if these can make my legs look good, just imagine what they'll do to yours. And he was doing this back in the 60s and 70s when this sort of publicity wasn't even heard of and being this sort of personality wasn't really a thing yet. He was definitely the first to ever do something like this. And he was elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio in 1985 by none other than Coach Bruno, named its high school coach decades earlier at Beaver Falls. And the now 78-year-old in 2021 still talks like he's in the 1960s. This just shows that he wasn't just doing an act. This was how he was. This was his personality. This was how this man acted. And he still acts like that today. Once again, I'm Connor Bacha. And I'm Dylan Yasher. And we thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great rest of your day.